I still haven't decided how to start episodes, but I think it'll be like, welcome to Late to the Movies. This is Ben Holt once again talking to you about movies. This show is, wow, okay, let's... <laughs> this, I, I'm always like, I don't need to write this part out. I got it. This is the third time I'm doing it. How could I mess it up now? The first two times were perfect. Welcome to Late to the Movies. My name is Ben Holt. I'm here today to talk about Father of the Bride. This time, I'm the person who hasn't seen the movie before. Every week, we talk about a movie that is a blind spot for someone that's on the podcast. I'm the one with the blind spot this week. My guest who suggested this is Martha. Hey, how's it going? Hi, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm uh, I'm really happy you suggested this. This movie's great. I think I was a few months old when it came out, so I don't blame myself for not seeing it before. Though I've had like 30 years to get on that, and, and I just haven't. But um, before we get into that, though, I always talk about generally what is how you kind of consume movies. What is your movie watching habits you're obviously you're out at the movies all the time right <laughs> negative <laughs> uh two kids no way but um i think for me i used to watch a lot of movies with my brothers and then kind of got into a rhythm of re-watching movies you know um, i always loved watching movies with um fresh eyes and uh in the sense of like you always have a different perspective where you are in life so I love watching those. And when it comes to new movies, um, definitely would go to the movie theaters a lot more pre-COVID. Um, and it was always usually with Derek or with friends. And then recently, I think in the middle of the pandemic, it's been obviously less of that. And so have not seen a lot of movies, um, new movies anyway. So it's been a lot of rewatches, a few new ones they were streaming, Um so I'm actually excited to get back into like going out and seeing new movies, going yeah. in the movie theater, making an experience. Um, and um, yeah, I think it's for me, it's um, I'm definitely not one that like wants to go to the movie theater just to like see a movie. I have to really be interested in the story yeah. or or anything like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to, I don't know, get back into society and and look at new movies. I think everyone's eyeing some sort of re-entry into the culture after yeah. so long away, especially specific to movies. So many of them just didn't come out during the pandemic. Yeah. And now we're kind of seeing a glut as as someone who does go to the movies a lot, even if I don't really care about the story <laughs> just because I like the movies. In October especially, things are like really popping off. Every weekend there's something coming out. So I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, me too. Me too, for sure. Specific to what you said about watching movies with your brothers, I'm glad you brought up that because kind of the kernel for this show sort of came from you. I I think, yeah, yeah, okay, you're nodding, yes. Um, (laughs) It was a mutual, it was a mutual idea. It was a brainstorming sesh. It was. But I think you came up with the specifics of the show and also the name of the show. (laughs) So it was also no, it was a group effort. Yeah, okay. Uh very <laughs> modest. I, I appreciate that. So the way that I've been trying to convince people to come on is sending them a list of movies and saying, Hey, what's something that you want to see or that you have seen that you'd want to talk about? And the list of movies came from that same brainstorming session. 
when we opened up your brother's prodigiously <laughs> stacked Apple movie account and went through yep. the more than what is there like 800 in there or oh, something? Like 600 or something. Yeah. We went, we went through all of them and I wrote down very kind of sloppily the titles of many movies. Um, uh, last week's episode was miscongeniality. Autocorrect changed that to miscongenital. <laughs> um, Father of the Bride, I think got messed up also in there. I don't. I think it, fa- fader. It was yeah. like fire. I think it said fire. father if the bride. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah, there's a lot of misspellings in there, but most people get it. So that's yeah. been a big part of how I'm actually able to get people to do this because it's a really hard question to say, what movie haven't you seen that you want to? So this is at least giving people some ideas. So so thank you to, to you and your brothers for that. You're welcome. <laughs> so getting into specifically Father of the Bride, um, I didn't know a ton about it going in. I knew it was a Charles Shire directed film written by him and Nancy Myers. I, I don't think I've seen a ton of Shire's films, but obviously Nancy Myers, before she was directing, working with him, I think they're still married at this point. Though I didn't obviously do enough research to know for sure, but um, obviously Nancy Myers is someone who I've seen a lot of their movies, and so this was a great one to tick off the box. It's, it's just cl- classic, classic Nancy Myers. I love Steve Martin, love Diane Keegan, I love Kieran Culkin. It's not like he's doing a ton in this movie. He's like, no, but it's cool to see but... a Culkin like sibling, yeah, in there, yeah, good. Good on him. So that was essentially, I didn't, I didn't know Kieran Culkin was in it going in, so I should say I knew about Steve Martin and Keaton and Nancy Myers' involvement, but that was pretty much it. Yeah, what do you, before rewatching it, think about the movie? What? Why was it such a big deal to you? Um, well, I think it's just the one that was was just in the, the repertoire of like my household. It was just like we watched it. I mean, what did it come out in 91? Yeah. So I was one. But I just I have vivid memories of watching it when I was like five and six, um, and it kind of just stayed with me. It was one of those that you would pull it out like once a year, or you would see it on TV or something. And it's yeah. like, oh, let's watch Battle of the Bride. We love this movie. It's extremely watchable. Exactly, and yeah. it's one of those that you don't really need to know the story, where you can like pop in at any point and kind of catch on what's going right. on. Um, it's definitely well set around different comedic set pieces, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And I think my parents liked it because it's actually a remake of Father the Bride from the 50s mm-hmm. with Elizabeth Taylor, I think. That sounds right. Um, So it's just one of those like, oh, we know the story, but it's just, it has, it's been modernized. We love Nancy Myers, um, and obviously a fantastic cast. So um, yeah, so for me, it's just, it's been just ch- part of my childhood and kind of just grew into my adulthood. It's one of those that like you think of quotes and lines and, you know, use it kind of thing. Yeah. I think we'll, I think I have a note on this for closer to the end, but this really seems like a movie that you can relate to a different character in each stage of your life pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. That's, so you've already been a couple of them, but of. <laughs> Eventually, you you get through all of them, I guess, and that's yeah. obviously a movie that if this is in your family's rotation, uh, it's got something for everyone. It it's, it was really good, so thanks for suggesting it. You're welcome. Um, I guess we could end there, but let's talk about the movie a little bit. What are sort of the big plot points? And I have notes as we go, but yeah, 
Fr- from memory, no notes. All right. You have some no notes. notes. You, can, you can refer to them. That's okay. I'll try. Um, <laughs> so basically, it's about American family. The daughter um, goes away um, for school. She comes back. She's like 21, 22. You know, um, says, says, surprise, I'm home. But also, I fell, I fell in love. I'm getting married. I'm getting married in like six months. Um, and the father is um, pretty much a basket case over it. So you kind of just watch him become basket case in like the whole story arch of him being a basket case to the actual wedding and just seeing how the characters are intertwined in just getting ready for the wedding, the relationships growing. Um, and obviously they do get married and it's a happy ending, but it's just seeing that over arch with all the relationships. That is pretty much it. They They do eventually get married. That's not really ever in doubt and the movie sort of just moves towards that but yeah. but what it does along the way i guess it's the journey right mm-hmm. really good uh it starts as the person on the episode who hasn't seen it before did not realize that it was going to begin with steve martin talking directly to camera telling you about the movie you're about to watch breaking what is it called breaking the fourth wall mm-hmm. yeah. yeah fourth wall break and just telling you here's the movie Let's go back six months. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And it's funny that, you know, it's, I always love that. It's like the the scene of it is like him in the suit, like wedding crap everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly there was just a wedding and he is like full in recovery mode. And like, it's like as if the audience is like his therapist almost yeah. and being like, what the hell just happened to me? He's like emptying rice from his shoe and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Having champagne that has like paper mache in it or whatever. Some notes on the beginning, like I said to you before the podcast came on, people in 90s movies just owning shoe factories <laughs> and pre- pressed for further elaboration. I guess I could only think of this in Jumanji, but still that makes a trend, right? Two of them. It's, it's kind of weird. Especially in the 90s. It's yeah. yeah um, not a like you said, it's not a profession or a job you hear every day. I mean, there's also kinky boots, which was also in the 90s. There you go. So, so th- three. three does make a trend. Those shoes looked terrible, but very 90s. I don't know if I would. Boxy. Very boxy. White. All and white boxy. with just like a splash of neon. Yeah. Sort of like in the middle near your ankle. I don't know. I mean, it looks like under armor shoes today but yes absolutely it is what all all shoes looked like in the 90s yeah and the competition was nike um for for the for the business but which was kind of funny because everyone everyone owned nike um growing up in the 90s and i would say nike obviously won but you're wearing a sidekick shirt right now and not and i'm no one else is wearing nike in here so yeah um yeah i i don't know i my it's so funny with this shirt because um like I was saying to you before, when we had uh, our daughter, my and we named her Anne, which is like one of the main characters in the movie, um, my brother made us a sidekick t shirt and no one else I don't think would understand. Even if they love the movie, they changed it, they put they probably would not understand the reference. So Yeah, there's like a few steps for them to get there. Yeah, kinda. <laughs> kinda. So I was like, I have to wear this shirt today. Also from the beginning, he's doing a voiceover talking about how much he hates change and he just wants his like little town to stay the same. Hasn't own- changed in 20 something no. years. And he's got a bright red hat on. The only time he wears it is just for this monologue about hating change. And then he takes it off 
And he doesn't, I don't think he wears a hat the rest of the movie. I don't think so. Do you recognize how he wears the hat too? It's not like securely on, it's like resting. So it's very like elevated on his Mm -hmm. head. Um, Wait, does not want to mess up his hair? Ah, is that what it is? Must be. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I mean, yeah, that's 91 maybe. Maybe they had a window to the future there. I don't know. What else? I'm looking at my notes now and they're not that great. I wrote, the next one I have is Keaton the God. I love Keegan. Uh, I do too. I love their relationship. That was actually a note I had is I love Diane Keaton and Martin, Steve Martin's relationship on screen. Um, weren't they in, they were in another movie and I couldn't remember for the life of me, but even if they weren't, I just absolutely love their chemistry together on screen. I mean, both of them are just su- superb actors already, but um, just something about the two of them together just, you kind of forget that it's Steve Martin and Diane Keaton when you're watching them together. At least that's how I feel. Yes, absolutely. Is it something's got to give? Is that? No, that's Keegan that's, and Nicholson. Um, right? And then there's, it's complicated, but that's Alec Baldwin. And Meryl Streep. Oh, crap. That's right. Not even Diane <laughs> <We're>, Keaton. <laughs> yeah, we're just getting all of the Nancy Myers stuff all mixed into a big... Um, white large kitchen i was gonna say it's yeah exactly i mean mix i will say you you, you cannot talk about father brian and not talk about how amazing that house is also um just classic nancy myers design um where you you like you look at the house and you're like oh my god i want my house to look like that and that is with every single nancy myers movie um just the design the the screen design that she has and the set design is just absolutely incredible to me. They have amazing chemistry. That's one of the things that I picked up on right away. And I know she's not directing it and she's only co-writing it, but I think a lot of that is Nancy Myers and having the mom character in a similar movie, not written by a woman, probably doesn't have as much of an internal life as Diane Keaton does in this movie where Nina is her character's name, right? Nina has is a full person, like a real person. Yeah, and that's what you that's what I love about her. I mean, especially since with Steve Martin's character where it's a little blown up yeah. for you know for Hollywood purposes and for comedy purposes, so you kind of look at Nina as like just like your regular day people, yeah. kind of living life, working hard, being a mom and a wife, um and kind of just enjoying herself. Um, and I, she, she just does it so well. Their chemistry for this movie honestly reminds me of like the '90s version of Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. Like sure. Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks in the '90s, like they were in what two movies together, and they're, when they were together, their chemistry was just always on point. With Steve Martin being, you know, Steve Martin, not that Diane Keaton isn't Diane Keaton, but the kind of performance that Steve Martin's giving, it I think would be a really tough challenge for an actor to not kind of get blown off the screen. And have all the focus on Steve Martin, but she is perfectly even with him. It's totally very equal and not from an energy standpoint, because she's not giving that same energy, but just from a presence, I guess, standpoint is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, she feeds in her, the character that she created feeds so much into Steve Martin's character, George. Um, Like how we were just saying, like, you know, George is the basket case. Nina is like the strong like foundation. And they actually talk about that kind of like how they work together. Like that was a key point. That was a key point in the movie towards the end of the movie, how he like compares, Yes. you know, their relationship yeah. to like the, 
the young couple getting mm-hmm. married. So it's just funny that like the audience recognizes it even before it's talked about. My next note is Karen Culkin is tiny. So <laughs> like like I said, not not the best notes, but I was pretty tired. I should say my mind state for watching this movie. It was um, the palate cleanser. It was the second part of a double feature that I made for myself last night, um, cool. sit, sitting alone in my half flooded basement. Uh, Wait, as, what? Uh, we can talk about that. <laughs> Remember that flood a couple weeks, the like the big storm a couple weeks ago? Yes. So half the basement's flooded. No, I was in the other half watching movies. It's all good. Um, everything's gonna be fine. As we're recording this, yesterday, the new James Wan horror movie, Malignant, came out. Um, I don't love horror movies, but I really loved his Aquaman, so I was like, I'll try this. Um, So it was really good. I loved it. And uh, one of the more bonkers movies that any... Probably, probably if you're talking about major studio movies, because I think this was Universal. No, wait, sorry, this was Warner, because I watched it on HBO Max. Yeah, one of the more bonkers movies a uh, major studios put out in a very long time to have that kind of sort of washing over me. And then going to Father of the Bride was just like a nice warm bath. <laughs> I'm glad I can provide that for you, Ben. <laughs> so yes, uh, what I could, um, I didn't even write Kieran Culkin. I wrote K. Culks. K. Culks is tiny. K. Culks. He is really tiny. He looks like he's three. Yeah. And, and then he but talks he, he like he's 12. He that face though. He does. We'll, we'll we'll get to the way that Nancy Myers writes children. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love Karen Culkin. Succession season three is coming back soon. Can't wait. But yeah, I feel like him not being the main Culkin at this point in time. Um, my intake with him is this, and then 20 years later, Scott Pilgrim, and then 10 years after that, Succession sort of my... That's funny. And see, I have never seen him in anything else except Father of the Bride. Okay. Well, you can come on for the Scott Pilgrim episode that we will inevitably do. Uh, I really liked the scenes around their basketball hoop that they returned to a few times throughout the movie to sort of mark the way that Steve Martin sees his daughter, George. We don't have to say Steve Martin every time. (laughs) The way George sees Annie and... I don't know. There's some really good stuff out there. Yeah, I... Usually with basketball, it can be kind of shaky, but they seem to not be that terrible. So. No, they're they're pretty good. They're pretty solid at it. No, but I know what you mean. It's kind of like the basketball is kind of like the one of the few things that kind of keeps all of them grounded. And it's like, there's if there's chaos, it's like, let's just go back and like do something that we love to do, yeah. um, which is just playing basketball in the backyard. And I mean, it's kind of... I don't know. It also sends a lot of warm and fuzzies when like, you know, the sun is setting, they're playing basketball. They just got into a fight. They're playing basketball. And all of a sudden my girl starts playing. It's like, how can you not love this right now? Yeah, no, it's just, you know, like weapons grade targeting your feelings. (laughs) A little. Yeah. A a lot of different points in this movie. The balance between the sort of over the top stuff that Steve Martin pretty much for at least the first half of the movie until Martin Short shows up. The kind of level that he's at, mixed with these like really real sort of emotional scenes, it's just really good. Those are really hard to balance in a lot of movies. But Yeah, I yeah. agree with that. There's like an underlying sweetness to everything in this. Good movie. 
Yeah. But I will say, you know, what's funny, though, is like it's a really sweet movie, but coming at it with fresh eyes, I was like I was saying to you before we started the podcast, I was like, my God, this has been this is so outdated now, Mm -hmm. just on so many different levels. And like you were saying, what I thought was interesting is that for my entire life, it's like I have understood Annie. I wanted to be Annie. I permed my hair to be like Annie when I was like eight. Oh, no. Like my hair was great. Um, I loved my curly okay, hair. Okay, great. I loved my hair, but like I wanted to be her. But now that I'm in my 30s, got a couple of kids, I'm working hard. I, I rewatching the movie. I was like, oh shit, I understand George a lot more. Like in the sense of like. I kind of don't blame him for freaking out. Like, hasn't seen his daughter in three months. She's away from home for the first time. She's 22. And all of a sudden, like I said, she comes back. I'm engaged. Never met the guy. It's going to be all fine. And he's like, uh, what? I kind of want you to focus on your career. Like, isn't that a marvelous thing? And she's like, yeah, I will. But I want to get married. So kind of don't blame him for that. And then... They like talk about pricing and it's like $250 a head for 600 people mm-hmm. equates to a 91, like $150,000 for a wedding. Kind of don't blame him for being a little panicky. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's more It's more than I would want to spend on a wedding that's like half at your house. Right? Exactly. So I don't blame him. But at the same time, then there's like this flip side of like he kind of seems like a controlling dad. Like he wants her to he wants to keep her for himself. Like there's like a little bit of that feeling. And it's like, let her be. Like she's fine. So I don't know. I had conflicting I had conflicting feelings. Yeah. I think that's definitely fair. I don't know. Sometimes you see someone thing and you're like, oh, they can't can't have made that today. And I don't know if that's entirely true here, but there's definitely some stuff that would have been toned down. Totally. I think it's it's probably, I don't know if saved is the right word because I don't think it's in need of saving, but that part is sort of undercut by, I don't think at any point the movie is saying that Steve Martin is in the right, George. Yeah. Um, it's, It's always kind of, pointing out that George is being sort of a tool about everything. Totally. Totally. Yeah, it's definitely not one of those movies, like you said, that like you look back and you're like, that looks so bad right now. It's actually yeah. like, okay, that's it's not so bad. You could still look back at it and be like, things have changed, but it's nostalgia still. So this is when they go and Martin Short enters as the wedding coordinator and uh, B.D. Wong's his assistant. I think this is only like a year or two before Jurassic Park. Yeah, I think so. Um, but Martin Short comes in, is doing a lot. What is his accent? Totally made up. Totally 100% made up. But what, but what do you think he's mixing? French? Yeah. There's, some, there's a little German, I think, too. Hungarian? Right? Maybe, yeah. And then just obviously gibberish half the time. Yeah. Um, I love the detail that when it's very explicitly unintelligible that everyone understands what he's saying besides George. except George. <laughs> very good. That's just that's just funny. That's just good joke structure. It, it really is. And Martin Short, I mean, obviously this is not like the strongest character I've ever seen from Martin Short, but like it's easy for him yeah. probably, but it's just so damn funny. Yeah, and the the dynamic between him and Steve Martin is legendary and totally. ongoing. They're 
just had a new show come out on Hulu that people like a lot. Uh, Only Murders in the Building. Oh, I want to watch that one. (laughs) Selena Gomez. That's right. I want to see that. Yeah. I've I've watched one episode so far. It's really good. Um, When did their relationship like really start to become legendary? Was it before this or was it? SNL, right? Yeah, because it is one of those that you like you watch the movie and um, like it there like how Diane Keaton and Steve Martin are their relationship is just so like se- seamless and natural and it's the same way with Martin Short. Um, so I'd be curious. They just have so much chemistry; it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I've never seen them perform. They still tour together. I would I would love to see them together. I have seen Steve Martin doing uh music so that's right yeah that's it though i haven't seen him doing like obviously he doesn't really do stand-up anymore yeah. their their two-man act is more they just came to connecticut i thought a couple of years ago maybe under five years ago that sounds right i think they probably play just the casinos yep and that's exactly what it was really big venues when they come through yeah that's pretty much it Anyway, people really like Only Murders in the Building. So they're still doing comedy together and still people are liking it. And it's a great career for both. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And my next note, again, this is pretty disjointed. Steve Martin getting his ankles broke. That was about the basketball scene. Beanie Wong in the house. Um, (laughs) I don't remember writing half of these. Eugene uh, Levy is a cameo. Very good. He's apparently... Based on the plot summary I read, I haven't seen it. I don't know if you've seen the sequel. Yes. But he's in that, uh, I guess, a lot more, according to the uh, Wikipedia. Wait, he is? Yes. He plays the guy that buys the house. <gasps> that's right. But I'm I assuming that that's a separate character from the one he plays in this. But There's like, they can't, there's no, they're two completely different characters. <laughs> that is so funny. He's His audition scene, very fun. Uh, and that's just, I mean, I'm not sure exactly where he is in 91. I guess he's out of Canada at that point. But Probably. It's so funny. Right. I wrote that down. I was just like, I never noticed that it was Eugene Levy. I was just like, wait a minute. Yeah. When you were a kid, why would you know? Why would you know? Why would that be a pull for any like eight year old or whatever? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, nope. That, I loved that cameo. Um, what? Can I ask you a question? Is that allowed? Okay. Absolutely. So like out of the funny, like there are some scenes that are like meant to be very funny. Which one did you like just naturally like, oh, that is actually really funny. Um, It's the hot dogs, right? Thank you. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's gotta be the hot dog scene. That's the one I wrote. That's when he dials it up the most, I think to like his Steve Martin's 11. His breaking point. Yes. That's, it's it's really funny. Yeah. And as someone who's worked retail, I had nothing but sympathy for the people who were like, I'm just an associate manager of a supermarket. Yeah. I don't want to have to call the cops. Please just pay for these four hot dog buns. It's so funny. Well, I also, that's where I also kind of appreciated George's like monologue of like, I'm not paying for one more thing I don't need. George Banks is saying now. Like I was like, I understand you, George Banks. I really do. I love the associate clerk, whatever, saying, who's George Banks? Me. So good. I don't love the kind of comedy when someone's like, 
sneaking around someone else's house and like messing with their stuff. I feel like I, that, gotta, I get anxious. Yeah, me too. I feel like that used to be a real comedy staple of obviously the checking uh, medicine behind the mirror stuff. Yeah. I feel like that's fallen way out of favor, but yeah, well, I don't know. It's just creepy now. It's yeah, it's just creepy. It's like, I don't have any sympathy for this guy. He shouldn't have been messing with his stuff. Yeah. I've always felt that he way. Have taken his bank book with him out the window. That was a weird choice. It was just the whole thing was just very strange. Interacting with the dogs, yeah. breaking I'm them. So, when- still funny. Someone getting pushed totally. into the pool by some dogs. Always funny. Totally. But people have always been like, that's the funny scene. And I'm like, no, the hot dog scene's the that's funny the scene. Dogs. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's cleaner. It's simpler. The the good part, not that it's bad. It's still a funny scene. But that being called back later as one of the reasons that Annie thinks that the, I forgot his name, the fiance. Brian. 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 Yeah. As... Brian with a specifically with a Y because I watch with closed captions. Um, where after he's got her a blender as a gift, and he apparently tells her about that incident at the in-laws' house, and that's when she decides that he's a liar because that can't possibly have happened. Yeah, that's a funny callback later in the movie. Yeah, that is, that is. And I think that's the next thing that happens is the blender incident. Yeah, which is where they sort of make the point that she's like her dad and they both overreact to things. But that's kind of the only time in the movie that she's sort of dialed up that much. Yeah, because the rest of the movie, like she never even really calls like the wedding shots. It's like, it's kind of her mom and Frank. But it's not like anyone else is that stressed out. No. Except for that one moment with the blender was just, you know, a straw that broke the camel's back situation for her. No, even at one point in the movie, like Annie, like, was sleeping on the couch and George comes and sees that, like, she wrote down all these notes and, like, how to make a wedding cheaper. Like, clearly, like. Yeah. Like, cool. I'll change things around. It's not a big deal. And then all of a sudden she dials it up to 11 herself. It's like, okay. So it doesn't explicitly say, like, oh, she's been holding everything in and this is what made her explode or something. But I guess that's what the implication is. Yeah. Um, that leads to the scene that you referenced before where Steve Martin's narration talks about how they are the same as him and his wife, just with reversed. Yeah. And that's a really nice scene. The next one, so Blender and then Nancy Myers writing Bizarre Children um, when however old Kieran Culkin's supposed to be here, said like this. so this is the scene where they're in the hallway and he's like telling them, you know, it's right then together. Right foot together. together. He's practicing to go yeah. walk down the aisle. And he says, um, oh, I feel like I've been neglecting you. And Kieran Culkin, <laughs> again, like an eight year old says no permanent damage done. Yeah. Um, and then it's the line after that, that I can't remember the specifics of, but just talk. He says something like, isn't oh, it going to be weird now? Yeah. Um, isn't it going to be weird now? Just you, me and mommy. Yeah, which isn't something a child says. Um, not the it's not the the idea, sure, but the way he phrases it is like a very weirdly sort of analytical way. Yeah, it's true. I never thought of that. Yeah, but yeah, precocious kids, as far as the eye can see. Obviously, her debut directorial feature is the Lindsay Lohan Parent Trap, right? So that's also kids doing adult things. Yeah, I forgot. That's right. That's right. Well, you know what's also funny too about that line is like she was 
Annie was away in Europe for like three months. So it's like. And she's been in college. And she's right? been in college. She's 22. Yeah. So it's like, dude, it's been like this for months now, years. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not going to change. That, that happens next. It's, it's a really nice scene outdoors after this. Steve Martin goes down to the basketball court and he's out there. It's the night before the wedding and they can't sleep. And they're talking about it. And I wrote down, it's kind of strange that why does she have to move out the day she gets married? Yeah, I, I think that's the, and I think that's where it gets a little old fashioned because that was, that was just what yeah. women did. Once you got married, you were not like you were moved out. But th- they say very explicitly that she has packed up everything she owns, including like her like her yes. retainers. Yeah, I was as, like, That's as weird. if they're Throw going to like rent out that room and they need all of her stuff, any trace of her gone. Yeah. Also, she's packing up boxes the night before. Right. Like, yeah. Weird. That's what I, was like. I feel like that can wait till they get back from their honeymoon. I don't know. Or just move your stuff before i guess george and nina need that room i don't know <laughs> for what they're turning into an office or something well it was completely empty that's where i i guess it's a i guess it's supposed to be i guess they used it for a symbol because like the next day she like the camera has her yeah. in, like, in her wedding dress in that room magically there's all these mirrors all of a sudden there is a lot of mirrors um that is true so i wonder if it's supposed to be symbolic i don't know i just feel like they could have given her a break just her parents could have been like, you don't have to literally pack up everything you own tonight. You can chill a little bit. Right. Aside from that, that's a really nice scene, though. Just a lovely bit of writing that she talks about. Um, I guess just everything. Just the relationship with her dad. And uh, George says that. It's it, sweet. You know, it starts snowing. It's the first time it's snowed in 30-something years in L.A. Yeah. And he says, I'm going to remember this moment for the rest of my life. Really good. Just, you know, no and- notes. Yeah, and I think that's why it's been such a nostalgic movie for a lot of people who grew up in the 90s. Um, I mean, truthfully, growing up, this was the movie that a lot of girls were kind of like, I want my wedding to be like this. I'm going to use things from my from this movie to be part of my wedding. I think that it I think there was a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and it clearly showed like from just like different wedding styles, um, even like there were a couple of friends of mine that got married and it was just like, Oh yeah. Had to throw in that reference to follow the bride. Like it was, there was a lot, there's just a lot of that. That makes a ton of sense. I can obviously see why this is a touchstone for a lot of people. That scene at their house seems like maybe either real snow or high budget fake snow. And then the next scene at the church looks like very, very fake snow. Very fake snow. (laughs) There's an establishing shot of a church. They spent like $10 at Party City on some fake snow. They're like nailed And it. sort of draped it over some bushes that are way off in the background. Um, that was, you know, if they both looked the same way. But it just really stood out coming right after the scene at the house where everyone's shoveling. and The swans looks, are in the yeah. bath. Yeah. 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 I, I agree with that. It did look really fake. That's so funny. Now it's the weddings actually happening and- they kind of yada yada that, and then they're back at the house for the reception. Yeah. Yeah. And again, there was just, for me, it was like, like they did, they used Canon and D, which, which is like now known as a famous wedding tune. And it actually came, that was like a, Canon and D was starting to be used because of Follow the Bride. Oh, okay. Um, it, yeah. I always wondered why people started making that connection. Yeah. It was, it was not a song that a lot of people used until the movie. 
Um, like that is always in movie trailers. Yep. And like Claire de Lune is always in movie trailers. And yep. Those, those are the ones that exactly. Hollywood seems to be like, these are the songs. Exactly. Um, yeah. And even the way you look tonight is another, like you'll hear that as a lot of um, father daughter dance songs. And yeah. it comes right from, it comes right from the movie. Yep. So I have just a few notes about the way the perception itself, and then we can talk about anything you want to with that. Um, I don't know if they would have kids driving lots of cars in a movie today. That first of all, how? Why not just grab two people from the party? He's like, "Oh, where are we going to find two drivers? I don't know. There's 250 people in your house. Tell them like, hey, can like some people come help move some cars? Exactly. Well, then another thing too is like the way that the they like staged the cars. Like, there's literally no room to drive them. It's like no. at, what a nightmare. Right, like if like oh, I'm I'm boxed in by five cars in each direction. Yeah, it's and like, like, but I need to go home. But Ugh. then they're gonna like. That's what I would be worried about. That was my focus personally. <laughs> I know seeing that now as an adult, I'm like I'm very anxious seeing this. Like I would have parked at least like a few blocks away from the house. Yeah, gone for a walk. I think uh, Frank jump dropped the ball there. He should have gotten a parking permit. I totally should have. No, yeah. that's on him. Uh, K Kulk's friend is Squins from Sandlot. The, the one who uh, makes out with the lifeguard. lifeguard. Uh, and George is really bad at getting around his own house, but maybe they could have waited for him before they left. <laughs> also, yeah, just like how you were saying, like it's so weird that they were kicking her out. Like she had to pack up everything before, yeah. um, before the wedding. It, like I felt the same way about this. It's like they had to leave for the honeymoon right then, right now. No looking back. Don't say goodbye to anyone. Just go, go, go. And I was like, that is so awkward. Multiple points in time, they're like, oh, I wish dad was here. And they're like, you should be more concerned or just wait and go find him. Right. You're all in the same house. It can't be that difficult. Right. And and also, like, aren't you supposed to be having a dance with your dad, too? Yeah. Like, there was, like, nothing. It, it didn't like really bother them. They're like, oh, man, it's, I can't believe he didn't make it. <laughs> Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? He should be. He should have made it. It's a problem if he didn't. Right. Not once did he sit down for dinner, and they were like, "Oh, where, where's dad?" No, nope, no one cared. They didn't really nope. care. Which, like, okay, if that's you know, you don't want your focus on him during your wedding. I get that. They're like, good riddance. Good riddance. <laughs> like, oh, I miss it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So yeah, the squints. I think he has like one line. Yeah. Uh, Phone call is nice, though, is my next one. She calls him from the airport as they're about to get on the plane. Very sweet. And then ends with him dancing. The final shot's really nice. That it just is... With Steve Tarrell singing The Way You Look Tonight? Yeah. I think, yeah. I think so. Uh, Martin and Keaton just talking, and then it goes to a shot from outside, them framed by their slider door. Yeah. Dancing in the living room to that as it pulls back. The lights dim on the outside and there's a spotlight on them. And that's how it ends. Really nice shot. Really good ending. And then I think I fell asleep. Um, <laughs> Thank you for watching this movie. Such a good Super movie. Late. Thank you for recommending this. This was such a great movie. Um, You're welcome. Some final thoughts. So you've already talked a lot about how it held up to what you remember, the parts that were kind of like, yeah. But for the most part, it's still, still a top pick for you, right? Yeah, definitely one that I think... Again, if it's on TV, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to have that on in the background. Um, definitely has 
stuff, it definitely still has the nostalgic feeling to it. I still find some parts of it funny, like the hot dog scene. Frank's character is over the top and still hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, some things are just a little outdated or a little odd, but you're gonna I feel like you're gonna find that with any movie from the past. Yeah, I think you can mentally transpose those parts to this was 30 years ago and it's not the worst thing that could be in the last 30 years, obviously. Yeah. Um hopefully get to do some more Nancy Myers movies because I, I like her stuff a lot and there's a lot to sign lot me of, up. I love her. A lot of good stuff to pick from. We just have to find people who haven't seen is the only problem. Yeah, I mean, and pick and make a list of Nancy Meyer movies too, because there's a lot of them. Um, but I feel like with Father the Bride, it is one of those movies though that for me, it's kind of like it is one of her classic, more famous movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like, not not to completely just discredit what Charles Shire did in actually directing the movie and co-writing he, he it. He was wonderful, but, but I did. But whatever, we're giving more credit to Nancy Myers, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I would love to, I would love to do more, um, more of her movies. Um, that would be actually really cool to see like how a lot of the movies are, are similar. Yeah. And just in her, in their direction and their set design. Well, she loves, loves Christmas because people can wear sweaters at Christmas. Um, but yeah, so there's snow here, snow in the holiday. Yeah. Loves Christmas. It's not snow in the intern. Um, But you're right in the sense of like the, and every single Nancy Myers movie, like there is just like a key relationship to like really look towards. Yeah. Um, That's, that's what she's interested in. Yeah. Clearly. My last two notes, one masculine irrelevance. I guess I figured that spoke for itself. No need to elaborate. We've already talked about the kind of, you know, out, outmoded thought processing of, George's character. So I don't think we need to go back to that. And uh, does the narration work? Um, I, mm, no, I think, you know, I, I think, think it's not necessary. That, with the, you know, different social mores and stuff aside, that's the part that feels the most outdated to me is it does a lot of telling and not showing. Yeah. And a lot of the naughtier ideas that George is sort of, wrestling with internally they just tell you um and i think what i wrote down is the scene in the snow where they're talking to each other him and his daughter are actually talking about their feelings and stuff i feel like works so much better and hits so much harder because it's two characters actually interacting it's not just a narration saying here are my thoughts Yeah. yeah no i agree with that and sometimes like i find that like when you're watching a scene and like you're seeing someone's expression and like, you know, you see the other person's reaction to it. And all of a sudden here's just like this like third voice kind of trickling in. It kind of like kills the mood a little yeah. in some ways. And I feel like it kind of did with him occasionally. Um, I even felt that way with the opening scene with him just talking. Is it really necessary? I don't know. I don't know. It feels like a studio note. I don't actually know if it is or not, but someone at some point was like, oh, we don't understand what's happening with him. So I don't know if that's true or not, because there's a lot that happens during a scene and there's space for that in the action of the scene. So I guess it's probably baked in from the beginning, but 
Yeah, and I mean, and yeah, I don't know. It's a, <laughs> it's not. This is not a complicated story either. Like you see a father wrestling with what his daughter is announcing. You see him wrestling with the actual wedding, and then you kind of see like his journey. I don't know, like his just journey, experiencing the whole thing, dealing with it, and at the end, he makes peace with it. Yep. It's like I don't know. It's not the most complex. No, it's not. But it's it's really good. Yeah, it is. I recommend, I recommend it. I feel like it's just a it's a solid classic movie from the early nineties. Yeah. Strong characters. It's um strong actors and actors that are still around today. They're doing really well. The only people that you really hear from are the actors that play Brian, the in laws. Kimberly Davis is doing a few things, but she's not one that people like really know her. No, but I think you do this and then you're you're good, maybe. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. It's Getting true. whatever residuals for it whenever it's on TV. But like with Martin Short, Steve Martin, Diane Keaton, I mean. Can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with them. Um, Yeah. I think we nailed it. Yeah. Any last final thoughts? Yeah. Kind of gave them already, right? Yeah, I think I, I, think I did. It's cool. a good movie. Thanks it's for doing It's a good this. movie. Yeah, so there's a Father of the Bride Part 2 where... um. Nina gets pregnant at the same time as Annie. Yep. That doesn't sound super great. It's kind of an awkward movie. It's a little forced. It, it feels a little awkward. In their defense, the original from the 50s has a sequel that has the same plot. But maybe not as weird in the 50s. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's just that. I don't know. This one just felt... Um, this The second one, you feel a little bit angrier at George because like he's like... He's mad, essentially, that... Yeah, he, like, sells the house without telling anyone, right? Yeah, and, like... That's a weird thing to do. And he's just, he's just mad that there's, like, another child in the way, and it's kind of, like, it's just not a good look. Also a plot line in Malignant, as weird as it is to say. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. And, um... Right, I remember what I was going to say. There's a third one, too, kind of. Uh, Father of the Bri- Bride Part 3-ish, I believe, is on Netflix. They did it last year as a Zoom... Yes. Situation? Did you watch it? I have not watched it. Uh, based on your tone, nah? Um, I mean, it's 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 sweet just to see the whole cast come together again, you know, especially when we're in the middle of the pandemic and we all just needed something, mm-hmm. you know, and like anyone that's obsessed with Father Bride, it was like, oh, hell yeah, they're coming back together. This is great. Actually watching it, I'm like, this is super forced, mm. but it's at the same time. Again, I think it was sweet. It was cool that they did it. Yeah. But it's not like this is the best thing ever. Would be hard, uh, you know, that at that point, 29 years after the movie that people yeah. really have all the affection for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I I say Florence watch Pugh's it. in it? Yes. <laughs> and Ben Platt. Okay. That's just who was around, I guess. Yeah, well, so... Um, Florence and Ben played the two babies that were born in the second movie. Now they're adults. So Florence Pugh is like Steve Martin's daughter in this. Cool. Yeah. And Ben Platt is Kimberly Davis's son. Like I said, it's it's cute. Yeah. It's a little cute. And you're like, oh shit, that's Robert De Niro. Like, what's he doing in here? So. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I recommend it just to say you watched it. And the second one is the same thing. It's weird. Watch it anyway. But, but it's there. Yeah. But it's there. It's there. Um, thank you so much for being on. You're welcome. 
welcome. Thanks for having me. Still in the experimental phase, so I think it's very brave. I this I don't know. This was fun. I'm honored to be a part of it. Anything you want to plug? Um, what do you exactly plug? I don't know. Um, I'm assuming when I have extremely famous people on here, they'll plug their Instagrams and various films and projects. Okay. Um, let me plug. I got nothing. Kyle plugged the general idea of mindfulness and uh, being a good person. So. I dig that, Kyle. Yeah. So Dang. if you just want to echo that, I guess maybe that can be the thing. All right. Well, I'll echo um, same thing. I'll echo mindfulness. Um, you know, um, you d- things to help yourself. Cooking, yeah. exercise, uh, mindfulness, bike ride, seeing friends. You yeah. do you. You get what you put in, right? Exactly. That's you do life. you, baby. It's been late to the movies. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, that was a stuck the landing, right? <laughs> Extremely graceful. I was like, what else should I say? Oh, thanks. Thanks. That's what people say. Thanks.